welcome to the 2020-2021 season. We are the Town Social. My name is Greg Mara. Joining me, as ever, are Cameron Pope, Ian Kilroy, and uh, looking like um, he's working in IT tech support, Thomas Furbank. How are we all, gentlemen? Yeah, good, thanks, you. Oh, well, I'm living the dream, aren't we all? Town, we're very unconvincing against Rochdale in a 1-0 defeat in the League Cup game. <sighs> I don't know if it's it, it, it's what's to come, to be quite honest. It, it seemed more like a pre-season friendly. How did we view it all? Because it was hard viewing at times, to be quite honest. Well, lads, I went out into a, into Leeds City Centre last night to watch the England game uh, and I got absolutely stung. Uh, £5.80 for a pint of bitter, OK? £5.80 for a pint of bitter. It's absolutely criminal. However, that still wasn't the worst value for money I've had this weekend because I spent £10 on an iFollow pass for that game. And I tell you what, OK, first half, there's times when I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, OK, I'm desperately searching for some positives here. Um, we've got some flashes of something. Um... But once the novelty has seen, you know, some some hard-working young lads come on and, and 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 try a few things, it just descended into something that we've seen again and again and again, and it was just another Groundhog Day performance, really. And so, you know, I had every intention of coming on here and being as positive as I could. Um, unfortunately, that's just not very positive. Uh, you know, you look at players like Josh Caroma, I thought he injected a bit of flair into the game. I was particularly impressed with him. The young lads covered themselves in glory, but we shouldn't be talking about this so early into the season, you know? And so whilst it's great to see we've got lads who can probably pad out the holes in the squad, there's, there's more holes than pads at the moment. Watchdale haven't won a game against higher league opposition since 2011. Yesterday was the first time they've managed it in nine years. Um, I think for us, for town, I'm looking at it as if it's not a new season. It's kind of just an extension of last season, isn't it? It's not felt like it's been much more of an international break, really, how how little time we've had off. And because we've had such a huge change in, in coaching and unfortunately not the squad, just the coaching, I don't think we can expect such a massive change in fortune so quickly. What we saw yesterday was very similar to Cywerstown. I thought huffed and puffed a bit. We did get into better positions than under the Cowleys. Then we also looked weaker at the back because of it. Um, I, I do think there were some different things yesterday that we haven't seen and, and that, that could bode well going forward. I thought we attacked much better. When we, um, what, what we tended to do was we kept going down the wings and instead of putting a crossing from the byline, we changed to putting in-swingers in from, from a, bit more, a, bit shallow, a bit shallower towards the back post. Danny Ward should have done better with one and we had another couple missed. Um, and that's a real big change for us. And, and not only were we doing that, we also had three men in the box every time we went forward. Pritchard managed to get in the box more yesterday in one game than I think he's done in his entire town career. Um, the, the opposing winger to the side of the cross going in was also in the box along with the striker. Yesterday, it didn't work for us. And I think goals come with confidence. But if we get men in the box like we did yesterday, they, the goals will come and we should have been one up before we, we conceded. I won't mention that the offside goal from, from Rochelle probably wasn't offside for me. And I think that was a bit of a dodgy decision that went in our favour. But we, we changed the, the, the way we played entirely yesterday. The, the defensive line, as we've gone on about before in this podcast, is really important for us. Because if you want to press and play high, you have to have a defensive line that's fast enough to be able to do so. And with Romney Critchlow playing yesterday, they had a few moments, which I'll talk about in a second, that, that were pretty weak and shows his inexperience. And really, I don't think he is ready to start for us. But his pace allowed us to step further forward. A couple of times, he tried the long ball, Rochdale, and Schindler got outdone for pace, but Romney Critchlow came, came across and covered him really, really well. 
for the offside goal that wasn't given, Romney Critchlow showed his, in, his inexperience there in that him and Johnny Hogg went for a header. Johnny Hogg was looking the wrong way and Critchlow didn't have the confidence to, um, or, the, or the experience to, to, to put his name on the ball. And you could see both of them come together. The ball kind of bounced around a little bit and then Rochdale put it in, which I thought, again, was a fair goal. Um, but just it, it wasn't to be for them. Um, that, that kind of paceful centre-back really is so important for us. And, and Stearman on the bench, I think, something we're going to see all season. I don't expect to see Stearman and, and Schindler play together again. I think, that's, I think that's it for them. I think the way Corbin set up yesterday with, with pressing, pressing higher um, is, is going to be what we're going to see all season. But even though it was a bit of huff and puff and we didn't really look like scoring, I think we put more. We had more opportunities than Rochdale had for certain. I don't think Rochdale had one chance from open play. And when you play in a high defensive line like we do, that's really rare for a team to be able to do that. So there are some positives there. It's just getting those creative players in that we don't actually have at the club at the moment. That's really important to us going forward. I think on another day, we come out of yesterday's game 3-1 up. I think if Grant plays, we win the game. I think if Mounier plays with those in-swing crosses, he gets something on the ball and puts it in the net. I don't think Heyman made any messes yesterday. People are trying to say he's at fault for that goal. I don't think he was. I think Schindler made an absolute dog's dinner of it. He lost his man before the free kick had even gone in. He didn't even. He had about three seconds to get there, and he was all over the place. He got outjumped, outrun, outworked, and outthought in that position. And people are trying to blame Heyman for it, but they're looking at the wrong person there. It's a real, a really bad loss yesterday. But the style of football we want to play. It's going to take a while to bed in. We just need to bring new guys in to be able to, 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 to do that because I think the youth showed yesterday, Barcaroma, who I thought had a really good game and showed flashes of, of things nobody else can do. I think, we'll get, I think with, with the right funding, we can get there. But, but yesterday wasn't as bad as I think people are trying to make out it to be. See, I'd, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game. Um, but the result for me was expected. Although I'm not too worried about yesterday's result, if I'm honest. I think the fact that Schindler and Hogg haven't played a minute in pre-season, admittedly we've only had two games, but they're the spine of our team and they were always going to be because we were never going to pay for players that could replace them. Um, without that spine, it was always going to be tricky. They, they need some minutes in the legs. And yeah, I, think, I don't think it's wanted well on for too much, for too long, to be honest, because it, it is almost a pre-season game. League Cup coming a week before the season starts has never happened before. Uh, I just think we biggest thing now, we need to get rid of all the players that are linked to go out and then hopefully that frees up a bit of money to bring in some players that aren't just kids. Because like you both said, we're trying, to, we're trying to plug gaps with the academy players at the moment. And it's great to see, and we all want academy players to do really well. But half of them have never really played men's football before. So to expect them to walk in to a championship team and actually get results is unrealistic. There's been, there were quite a lot of kind of blind positivity from the Bradford game. Um, and I watched most of that one. And they, the fact that we conceded so early on in both of those preseason games against Bradford and Man United was worrying in itself. But they were two teams that are going to be nowhere near the level of what we're going to come up against from next week onwards. And yeah, it, those young players admirable for him to put the effort in but they're not going to be the players that can help us this season unfortunately and I hate to touch on the Cowards again but they could see that last season that's why they brought in so many experienced heads to get us out of the hole we were in and unless we bring in a level of experience we're going to be in a similar hole again 
Well, that's where my my worries come from, really, because my my worries don't stem from what I've seen on the pitch, and I think that we touched on. Uh, there, there were good parts of it, you know. We got forward. It was it was it was a different. It was it, it was a different style of play, and just unfortunately, the, the result and the way it was carried across, you know, not too many clear cut goal scoring chances from a lot of possession. That was a similarity. But you know, the lads on the pitch, I thought, gave everything. I thought that even in Benza, um, I thought even in Benza offered something. He probably had our best chance of the game. That snapshot from the right wing um, up, forcing keeper to tip it over bar. Um, but what worries me is that this might be all we have. Um, and as we've touched on it, you know, yeah, we can't read too much into just one League Cup game in, in, a, in a truncated uh, pre-season. Although, we've got to say, I know we haven't been at it in competitive games, you know, over the summer, but Rochdale haven't played a competitive game in about seven months. So, you know, against that calibre of opposition, I still do think we should be doing better. However, you know, the lads on the pitch, they gave their all. But if that's our A string, you know, where do we go from here? And I think... It's one thing saying that, you know, if we had Grant or Mooney on the pitch, we'd have done better. Because I agree, I, I think we would have done. I think we would have had too much class and just that, um, that killer instinct up front. That would have been the difference. But, you know, if, if reports, strong reports are, are to be believed, then we're not going to be with either of those services, which means we're relying on an aging Danny Ward, an aging uh, Fraser Campbell, and then youngsters such as, you know, Josh Caroma, maybe Keen Harrett. And so for me, it's... We're saying, okay, we, we, need to, we need to invest, we need to recruit uh, in order to pad out what we've already got. But I just don't have faith in the club at the moment to do that. And that's what causes me the worry. Not the result on paper against Rochdale, but the fact that in continuation, I just don't see us building on what we have already. Danny Ward's only 28. Aging of... Fair, perhaps. Do you know what? I didn't quite realise. I thought he was 30. I thought he was a, a little bit older than that. But I feel like because we've seen him a few years before... I don't know. I, in my head, I, I view him as, uh, you know, a little bit past it's probably a little bit too harsh, but oh, enough, 28. He's, he's no finish. He's only 28. <laughs> 28, I don't know. But then I mean, you look at the goal scoring figures for last season, okay? Seven goals in the championship. And he's a great player to have coming off the bench. I think we had him slightly before his prime. I think he's coming to us again slightly after it. And okay, 28. All right, maybe he's got a few years left in him. But is he a main striker? You know, Fraser Campbell. Two league goals last season. Danny Ward, seven goals last season in the league. You know, and so, and so fair enough, you know, maybe, maybe we've got a couple of seasons in him. But then I look at him and I think, I don't know, was he the answer? It doesn't seem to fit with this whole, like, this whole, uh, you know, youth model that we've got. And for me, it was a strange signing. And so we need something else in that mix now. And I just don't know if he's it. And that's really the cause of my worries. See, I think with Danny Ward, I... I can kind of see why he's been brought in because he's a guy that's going to constantly put himself about. And if you look at Carlos has come from Leeds, they had a striker up front in Bamford who got quite a lot of flack for not scoring enough goals, but he worked so hard and he set the precedent for the team. Admittedly, you need players behind it who can then play the style of football that they want to play. But if Danny Ward can do that and he's going to put everything into it, we know he's a hard-working player, he's strong, he's decent in the air for his height as well. I think he's a guy that can work. He's not going to be a striker that we go, right, he's going to lead us to promotion in the championship. But he could well be a striker that is decent in the bottom half of the table if we get other players around him that can actually deliver as well. 
Well, I, so, I suppose people said the same back in uh, back in the old League One days and Championship days of, of Alan Lee, you know, alongside Jordan Rhodes. He wasn't the goal scorer. He wasn't the one who was going to get you double figures, 20 goals a season, whatever. And okay, completely different style of play. But he's a secondary striker in that sense. But we haven't got a primary at the moment. And that that's what worries me. Um, you know, and I've actually checked, it's actually 27. So I think I owe Danny Ward an apology. Um, but I, my point stands in the fact that I don't really see him as you know, our main man. And if we're losing Grant and we're losing Mounier, well, then we need to, we need to invest. We haven't exactly got a track record of doing so. And so that primarily is what worries me now because we've, we've, we've not been the side who scores a lot of goals for a long time now. If Mounier and Grant are going, both of them for what, 25 million, 30 million between them, um, to probably near 25, that's 30 goals we have to replace. Now, I think Danny Ward, probably good for 10. I think if he starts every game, because last year he got seven, like you said, but he didn't play every game, every minute of every game. He was off the bench a lot at Cardiff. I think the way we played yesterday, the, honestly, the sample size is small. But if everyone goes back and has a look at the way we did play the game, the opposing winger, winger was playing as a second striker when the ball was down to the wing. Now, that's, not, that's something we haven't done for years and has wound me up for years. It's really important you get the extra bodies in the box because you can't score without them or it takes a spectacular goal to do it like Grant used to pull out every time. We need 30 goals, 10 from Ward. So where do the other 20 goals come from? You need two wide men to chuck in 10 apiece as well. I think we're going to have to go for 10 goals from three strikers. And I know that sounds really simple, but if a 20 million player, like a 20 year goal a season player like Grant is going for 18 million, we can't afford a 20, 20 goal a season striker. We can't afford it. So we're going to have to get three people that can chip in. I think Ward is a guy that can. I think Benza. I don't think we've seen the best of him. And one reason for that is everyone looked at his goal-scoring record um, from where he was prior. Was it Toulouse? He was that before us, I think? Where, wherever he was in France before us. Montpellier. All his goals, Montpellier. All his goals came from centre-forward. He got a couple from the wing, but he actually played as a centre-forward. And even for us against Man United, his goal came down the middle. Long ball, down the middle, put it away. I think he's an option at centre-forward. But the problem then is Ward isn't a winger. We know that. We've seen that. He was never what Pilkington was ever going to be, yet we paid a million for him at that point, which was a lot of money back then when he wasn't ever going to be what we were after. And I still don't think he's a winger. But I think we need two wingers that are going to, are going to chip in 10 apiece. We don't have them at the moment. So no matter what happens regarding um, where Grant and Munier go, when they go, we're going to have to replace them with 20 goals. Players that can chip in 20 goals. At the moment, for me, Bakuna can bag a few. Lewis O'Brien will get a few. Ward will get a few. But who else will bag? There's not that many people at the club who can score goals. And scoring goals wins games. The Cowledge found a way to get enough points for us to stay up last year. With Grant and Mounier, and it was difficult. It was ugly football, but I don't think there's a fan left of Huddersfield Town now that doesn't understand why they've done it. They've watched two friendlies against under-23 teams, and well, Bradford's probably not much better than under-23 team. We've watched a game yesterday against Rochdale, and it's pretty clear now to most of the people that maybe were unaware of it before of why we played that certain way, because you have to stifle teams and nick a cheap goal to win games when your team isn't as good as everybody else. Yesterday, we pressed well against a League One opposition, but didn't have the decisiveness and the clinical finishing to win that game. And now we're going into a game against Norwich, relegated from the Premier League in a better fashion than we were, who've recruited pretty well this summer. And we're going to find out, I think, pretty quickly that we need to fill a lot of gaps. And I think that's the plan this season. I, I think... Again, because the pre-season was so short, the transfer window is so long, that we're, kinda, we're going into these games thinking, right, we'll see what we've got, we'll see where the holes are, and we'll use what limited funds we have once we've sold players to fill the gaps we have to fill. We're doing a, a bare minimum approach. 
we're not trying to go out and be will be we're just trying to get enough so we can stay up this season then the, the monies to Dean Hoyle will be paid off we've still got another parachute payment to come in another issue we've got that people haven't spoke about just yet is the parachute payments from China have, have been cancelled um, in regards to the TV deal for 570 million I think it was was um, their installment of 190 million, 190 million in, in March or it was June it hasn't been paid it hasn't been paid Premier League have now cancelled that now, doing a quick rudimentary math, that's going to cost town between two and four million, I think. Now, I can't put a definite figure on that. I'm not entirely sure of it, but working out the 30 clubs, get a certain percentage, blah, blah, blah. That's quite, a, quite an extensive amount for a club like us. So one of the sales of either Flow or uh, Sobe or Mounier, it's probably been wiped off by that. So that money now won't be available. So we're in such a, a tight situation, I think, with, it, with the finances that trying to find enough money to bring players in with proven goal-scoring track record is difficult. That's why we're looking for people like Ward on free transfers, cheaper players that can chip in with enough so together the team can score enough goals. And, and, and the style of play that we played yesterday in a Corbin, which is really the first time we've seen it, because you don't count the other 23 games, I think, I think the opportunities will be there for, for the entire team to bag goals, whereas... Last year with the Cowleys, there were one, play, one person in the box. And with Wagner for the second year in the Premier League, there was only ever one person in the box. Yesterday, we have three people in the box every time. And that'll play well if we get the right people in. But it's going to be a really important next four weeks, I think, till the transfer window closes. It's crucial. It's been the most important for three, four years anyway. And um, I'm sure we all have great faith in the transfer committee to uh, pull it off, even if we, we get such a, a nice amount from uh, the sale of Grant and Mounier to, to, fund, uh, to fund the... Uh, the transfer committee and um, whoever they've scouted under Josh Marsh. Um, I can't wait to see who they've, who they've pinpointed to uh, bring in and make a difference to our what's bound to be wonderful season. The, the sale of those four players that you mentioned, I think with the sale of Grant Mounier, Haddish and I and Sobe could be close to about £30 million. Now, obviously, we know transfer payments are structured over a number of years over the contract that they receive at their club. So it's not going to be £30 million up front. So we don't need everyone on Twitter asking where the Rhodes money is again, because it's just it's just not going to be there straight away. Um, but the fact that those four are leaving is the only kind of hope that I've got at the moment going into the season. We we need to shift those out as quickly as we can, because we desperately need some more players in before next Saturday. If if we don't, we basically have to play the same team again, which is an academy team with the odd season pro. Like sprinkled in there. But if we do get rid of him, and obviously the summer hasn't gone to plan uh, so far, I don't think the club expected it to take so long for Haddish and I and Serbia to be out the door. They've been kind of having pictures taken in other teams' kits for the past two or three weeks now. Um, but I think if we can get them out the door sharpish, then hopefully we've got a bit of money there that we can actually invest in players that aren't just kids from other people's academies. Because that's it at the moment. All we've been linked with is kids from other people academies that have maybe got six months to a year experience at either another bottom end championship club or haven't played men's football again yet. And we need more than that. So we need these players out to be able to try and bring in more players like Danny Ward. Because I think the way that we're going to play, it's going to be more about the team approach than it is about individuals. Last season had to be all about individuals for winning as games. We're going to have to win games as a team this season. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about big marquee signings like replacing Grant and bringing someone in for a few million pounds. I think it's about the characters in the squad. The, 
the problem that we've had so far is that these players we've been linked with and the, then before all of this, the club told us that we were going back down the Wagner route is Wagner's route was signing everyone else's captains from teams that he knew. I can't see us doing that again this season. Um, this guy from Espanol um, seems to be rated by their fans. Cam, you probably know a bit more about him than I do. Um, I'm not even going to try and say his name. Because is it Pippa or what? Who knows? There's probably some kind of pronunciation there that only you'll be able to get right. But he looks promising. So we need, to me, we need a few more like him that are coming from players where uh, coming from teams, sorry, where they're highly rated, and we're not just getting other fans laughing at us like we were with Diakabi. I think a lot of smart points there because, again, you know, quite right, Peeper, he seems to have been quite well, he seems to be quite well thought of in Espanol. Uh, he's, I was looking actually, you know, a bit of the Spanish media as well, and then a lot of the comments, it's always quite encouraging, I think, to see from other teams' fans. You get a bit of an idea there. And whilst I don't think it's the be all and end all because you look at the reception we had from Hearts fans when we signed Joel Pereira. Um, they weren't very happy with him. But, you know, just because one club can can get the most out of a player, another can probably get the worst. And so, you know, especially, especially in a young loanee, I would hope that really eventually they'll find a club that will blossom. But that said, it, it's always a good feeling to see a club singing the praises of a lad you're linked with. Uh, and so with Gonzalo Abela, or Peeper as they call him, um, he seems, again, to have something about him. He, you know, made four game, he made four appearances uh, across Europa League that's qualifying in the main tournament, three assists. Uh, you know, they, they were planning him for, as one for the future. He came through the, the youth system. He went out on loan in the lower leagues, um, broke into the team properly last season. And so, but again, you know, he's not proven. Okay, he's playing a bit in Spain under the 21s. He's obviously highly thought of, but, you know, we're not going to stay up on potential. We need players who can perform now. And, and another thing I, need, I think we need to think of in, in, in the context of transfers is, is volume of signings as well. Because, I mean, it's October the 5th, right, that, uh, that the transfer window shuts on. So if, I, if I've counted that correctly, we've got five league games uh, between then and now. Okay, five league games. Um, and so in that time, you know, that's a long time to be playing catch-up for. We've got to get these bodies shifted and very quickly. But also, we need to recruit volume too. Because I made a quick tally last night of, of the players we've lost since the end of last campaign. Okay, Because we can all, I think, be in agreement that the squad then just wasn't good enough. Neil um, Smith-Rowe, end of his loan. Lossell, end of his loan. Chalabar, end of his loan. Stankovic has left. We've just about lost Grant and Mounier. So they're your first team core players. And then on top of that, your squad players. Coleman's gone. King's gone. Willock's probably gone. Kachunga, Kuana, had a Jonai probably gone. Simpson slightly before that. Simpson slightly before that. And then who have we got in? Pereira, Ward, and maybe Peeper, you know? We had a stretch squad as it was last season. I know we've got a few youth bodies in since then, but we need a bit more than that. I think Cam's got a point though on the, on the numbers game. That is, we were told that this move to a B team would mean that the first team squad would train together with the B team and that would be a squad of about 30. Now, you take out the 12 or 13 players that Cam's just named that have left and it leaves us with a threadbare squad. This squad of 30 players that people assumed would be like 21st team players with maybe 10 kids is going to be the opposite way around. Uh, unless we bring in five to ten players which is not going to happen I think it close to five potentially um, we are going to be relying on the players that played yesterday and I, I mean I don't know about you guys but I, I made a bit of a list of the 
the positions that I think we desperately need people for before next Saturday, not just in the squad. And for me, it's that spine of the team that I mentioned. So at the moment, the spine of our team is basically Schindler and Hogg. And O'Brien when he's back as well. But other than that, Elphick's injured. So we've not got a backup centre-half. Congolo's injured as well. The Stearman, but obviously we had an academy player picked ahead of him yesterday. Um, so for me, it's that it's a centre-back with pace, like you mentioned, Ian. Um, but someone with a little bit of experience. And then we've still not replaced Moy since he left. He he returned the ball for us and he played that number eight role where he kept it and we should have had a creative number 10, which we did in the first kind of couple of years under Wagner. Um, but we've still not got someone who's going to be kind of disciplined on the ball. Hogg's not that kind of player. Hogg's here, get into him and get the ball back for us. And then both Bakuna and O'Brien uh, kind of dynamic midfielders that we don't have someone who's just going to put the foot on the ball and dictate the game for us. And we desperately need that because I think it was underestimated how much we actually missed it in last season. Um, and then I think we need another centre mid to compete with Hogg because we, we all love him. He's going to go down as a club legend, but he's looking like his days are numbered. And in that position now, I watched um, most of Fulham's games in the playoffs and they had, I can't remember his name, they had a short ginger guy who played centre mid and basically played the hog role. But he was so much better on the ball than Hogg was. He, he kept it, he, he could spray passes 50, 60 yards onto the winger's toe if he wanted to. Kept it simple as well when he needed to. And that's what you need from your defensive midfielder now. It's not just a robust, put your foot in, win the ball back and step away from it, let someone else have it. That player, especially in a 4-3-3, if he's going to be the pivot with two more slightly attacking players, he needs to be the player that can dictate as well. Um, so for me, centre-back and centre-mid are the two most important. It sounds like right-back's um, sorted out with uh, Peeper, as Cam said it is. Ideally, we'd get some creative players in out wide as well. But I think that'll be a lot come the end of the transfer window. I think that'll be all they'll be looking at, really. I don't think there'll be any more. I don't think it'll be replacing the 12, 13 players that Cam mentioned. Um, so, yeah, sooner we get the other players out, quicker hopefully we can get them in. The problem we've got is we're, we're saying we need all these type of players, right? But that's only when everybody's fit. So we'll need one extra attacking midfielder to create goals. We only need one attacking, one centre-back who's quick to, to help with the defensive line. But even last year with the extra, I think it was 16 players left this summer. I think we had 16 go, right? Or that will be gone with Mounier and Grant. And even last, last year, the Cowleys had the game where they had to play all the youth guys because they wouldn't pick the guys that were injured, of course. They wouldn't pick the guys unavailable. They wouldn't pick the guys that didn't put in exactly what the club wanted from them. We still had to put the academy players in. Then last year, we had such a large squad. This year, our squad is threadbare from game one. And I've never seen that before at this club, apart from uh, Jacko in 2003, four, whenever it was in, in the third division. But we have got very few players on big salaries. And that means that we can't afford to have a big squad, unfortunately. And, or, and we can't be in Aberdeen until we sell players. So it's really important that we just sell players as quickly as we can. And now it's not great saying we want to sell our 18 goal go the season winger, striker. But we need to do it this week. And if it, if it means we actually accept less money, but it means we can recruit quicker, it will be in our favour. And it's very rare you say that because in football, normally you want the most you can get for your players as is possible. 
But for us, time, it's time, as Cam said previously, the time is the issue. We need to get rid of players now so we can recruit. We need to do it yesterday. We needed to do it like two weeks ago. We needed to do it last summer before we started in the championship, but we didn't turn over the squad then when we should. Now we have to do it. Most of these players like Mbenza and Diakabe, they're going to be given a chance because of the money invested in them. But there is a chance now where we can actually look to flip them and sell them on because the amount owing on them is a third of what we paid because obviously transfer fees paid across the three or four years of the contract. So now there's not that, much, there's not that long left on their contracts. They'll be easier to, to offload. We really have to get rid of as many players as we can and we don't see a future for at the club so we can reinvest into a squad that will work for us now because we're very, very thin and we risk in a few weeks with Hogg getting injured or Lewis O'Brien being out for longer or Danny Ward getting injured. We, we know that can happen before and then we've got even less, fewer, fewer options than we have now. Um, the squad depth has to, has to increase and it has to happen this week or next week because um, without it, we're going to be more trouble than we are right now. You know, if if we do flip these players, if they do if they do leave the club, we we are looking at five or six first team players required, plus maybe one or two squad players. Can we actually trust the the transfer committee, given the fact that the majority of signings that have come in? You look at the good signings last last year that were made. David Webb was instrumental in getting Smith Rowe to the club, Andy King to the club. We haven't got that experience. We've got uh, Lee Bromby, who's you know been working in the academy, so he's not got the experience of of working with other clubs like like Webb or you know Stuart Webber, etc. Had, and then you've got the scouting system who've recruited the wrong players for the last two or three years. How the hell can we trust them to bring the right players in? Well, I don't have any faith at all uh, right now, to be quite honest. I mean, my faith lies on the pitch and in the dugout. I've completely backed Carlos Corberan and Chicho, but I don't back what's going on behind the scenes for, for the reasons you just listed, Greg. Uh, we don't have the best track record with it. And what's more, we're not an attractive prospect to sign for at the moment. I mean, attracting players to Huddersfield uh, puts us at a slight disadvantage as it is. And that might sound like a throwaway comment, but I think it's a genuine thing to consider. Uh, there was a fantastic article on, uh, on The Athletic uh, last week about what actually goes on uh, when a player is signing for a club. And one of the interesting points made was that, okay, foreign players, and this more applies to the Premier League, but then also to the Championship too. Foreign players do have a preference to play in London, that sort of thing. So if you're geographically, you know, not in a big hub like that, if you're not, you know, um, if you're not in um, in some metropolis, then you are at a disadvantage. So that's not something we can ever, that's not something we can ever change. That's just something we have to deal with. So we have to offer them more. And another thing people talked about was facilities. You know, you've got to put on the charm. We haven't got a charm offensive at the moment, really. I don't really see... uh, what the carrot is to come and play for Huddersfield Town at the moment. You look and you think, okay, we've had a couple of managers in and out the door. We're in free fall. Uh, we're not a club blessed with uh, deep coffers. We've basically said since we got relegated from the Premier League that we need a squad overhaul. We need everyone out and we need new players in. We're kind of starting to get to that now. The core of that team that got relegated and was so poor last season other than the dependables, again, I'll touch on Schindler and Hogg and O'Brien, we're getting them out. They're being moved out of the door. The problem is this needed to happen at the start of Phil's three-window transition. This is the third window. So we're trying to make three windows worth of signings in this window. So I think it's the right approach. 
we just don't have the time to do it. And especially in this window, this is, I say it's the shortest window. It's not the shortest window because we're still having, I think, 10 to 12 weeks or whatever it is. But in terms of actual preparation time for the season, it's the shortest preseason we'll ever have. And it's, it's the wrong time to try and be trying to do this. It needed to be started earlier or it feels like a different approach was needed. That kind of, <laughs> it sounds like a broken record, but that, that Cowley approach of just getting players to muddle through would have been perfect for this transfer window to see us through this season. I think though, Tom, I don't think it's an option we, we actually made. I think it's an option we, we were forced into following. I think the money's not there anymore for whatever reason. I think you're I right. Think- that, that's why we're doing it. I don't think, sorry, saying it's the wrong time to do it, but I don't think we've got an option. The Cowleys, I think it's clear now. I think people understand that the Cowleys were removed from their position because um, we probably weren't able to offer them what we promised them when we gave them the job initially. What do you mean? It was all been, about the football. It was all about, all the, about football the football. That we all played. about the football. Yeah, it was dire, apparently. It was dire, but it worked. And we, we won games and we, we stayed up comfortably in the end. But um, I think most fans are, are pretty aware or are of the thought now that it might be because we're going this more economical route of um, trusting in youth, flipping them, reinvesting the profits, inflating our budget year on year on that overhauling, overturning um, turnover of, of youth players to, to clubs bigger than ourselves. That's what we're aiming for. We're going for, again, as we said before, it's not the Brentford model. We don't have a massive um, scouting network like they do. It's a Peterborough model. We're doing a Peterborough model based on 10,000 fans that we have instead of 6,000 that they have. The more money, we have a little bit more money than they do, so hopefully we can do it better than they can. I think that's ultimately where we want to go. Now, one good thing to me is that when Wagner came in, he, he brought in loads of guys from Germany, as you mentioned before. Pippa, Pippa, whatever he's called. <laughs> um, you can't tell me that the uh, transfer committee have come up with him. There's no coincidence that he's obviously... Been, he's played under one of the coaches or, or Corbyn himself um, elsewhere. So somehow they know of him. Um, I think that's a, a recruitment that's coming from one of the, the, the coaching staff instead of the transfer committee. And that did really well before. And if that's the way we go going forward, I'm all for it. Spanish revolution, let's bring that in. Let, let's go that, that route. It works once with the Germans. Let's bring the, the Spanish lads in and, and have a go there. Um, I, I understand that. And, and I, can get, I can totally get on board with that. But like I say, I, I just think... We, we put a question out before recording this on and what people's thoughts and if they had any questions for us um, after the first game. And it's really clear to me that fewer people are actually now blaming Phil for the scenario that we find ourselves in. And I think that's pretty fair. Like, I don't think a chairman could have had a worse run of, run of um, incidents than, than Phil's had since, since taking over at town. Um, the, the the repaying of the um, parachute payments to Dean Hoyle for the loans he put into the club to get into the Premier League, although that's, again, entirely fair legally. I don't think we expected it as fans. We thought there'd be a legacy. Um, the training facilities was promised at 20, 25 million. It was readjusted by getting some extra office space at the stadiums from the Giants. And the next minute, we've seen a photo of one porter cabin. And that's literally all we've had for, what, three weeks? A, port, a green porter cabin with a photo of the town badge on. I don't think any other information has been released yet, yet we were promised a video three, four weeks ago. But again, even that, I don't think it would have been um, Phil's fault. I, th- I think the money, monies have been um, affected greatly by coronavirus, and um, that's probably where the fault, the fault lays there. But this overhaul that we're going through this summer, I don't think it was anything other than 
let's make the best of a bad situation. And this is what they believe is, is the best thing to do. And the fans, like I say, they're not blaming Phil anymore. I think they're blaming the previous owner, Dean Hoyle. And you know what? I'd never thought I'd see that, but that's what's happening. And they're also blaming the, um, the transfer committee. Not, not Phil himself, but the head of football operations, Josh Marsh is the head of scouting, that they feel like the people brought in were, weren't the right signings at the time, yet the people who made those decisions are still here. And I think people find that a little bit sickening and, and, and tough to take, especially when you see his play yesterday with um, such few options to say we had, what, 200 million plus parachute payments just two, three years ago. So it's crazy that we are in this situation. Tom, but you've just got to move on, haven't you? He's got to go, you've got to, got to crack on and, and go forward. And we're not going to throw money at the problem, unfortunately. So uh, hopefully Corbin's got some amazing contacts and we've been some amazing, amazing Spanish lads in and um, tiki-taka all the way to the Premier League again. I think you're right on Phil. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think it's the way he does stuff that rubs people up the wrong way. Um, I'm going to reserve my judgment on Phil for this season, see whether he's actually learned anything um, once the academy team photo comes out. If he's on it, I'm all for I'm all for him going again. But if he's not on it and he's learned his lesson, it can stay for a bit longer. I'm, I'm in the same boat. You know, I think you know, following on from what Ian said. Nobody at the club is, is, is everyone, everyone at the club is doing what they're doing because they believe it's the right thing for Huddersfield Town. Everyone wants the best for the football club. Every fan wants the best for the football club. So everyone is doing this because they believe their way is the right way. Um, but obviously, you know, not everyone can be right. And we've seen that the transfer dealings in particular have been what's been our downfall, even when we were back in the Premier League. Okay. Uh, I think there's just too many cooks. That's my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, quite right. I don't think that Phil, I think he was probably scapegoated at times last season. And I, I don't think his temperament on Twitter, social media, etc., necessarily help things. You just, you just can't get drawn into that. Okay, you've got to be you've got to be professional, and you have to separate yourself. I think from fan, um, you know, you can start as a fan, but once you you don the suit and you enter the director's box, I think that's where it has to stay. And I think that was what you know really led to the a lot of the animosity, to be honest. And so, but again, you know, this goes out to across the board as, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, this season, it's 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 a clean slate and. If we've learned, if we start recruiting better, because, okay, we've got another month left in, uh, in this transfer window. And if we do start to bring in more volume, some, some better squad players, um, you know, a bit of experience to complement the, the youth talent we've got, then, then okay, I will, I will be full of praise. Um, I, don't, I don't expect that it will happen, but I'm happily waiting here to see if it does. And, and, if, and if it does, and I'll be the first to, to congratulate the club on what they've done. Um, so, you know, no one's going to get it in the firing line straight away after one, you know, no one's in the firing line straight away after, after one game. Uh, however, you know, I don't think you can fully forget why we're in this situation. And so, and so really, you know, I think that's what this podcast is about. We have to be there to hold, you know, the club or parts of the club or facets of the club to account. And, and that's not going to happen after one defeat against the League One side in, in the League Cup. Okay? But then, you know, if this massive transfer window goes by, uh, we've not recruited, we've not put the faith in Corbyn, uh, we're not getting communication safe from the club, then I think, you know, these, these whisperings of discontent are going to start again. And so I really hope now, I really hope that we've learned, the fans have learned, the clubs learned, I hope, from the difficulties of last season. And because, you know, we've got a new manager, we've got a chance now to start something again. And I don't, you know, I'd love it to be another, you know, Spanish revolution, et cetera. And it's always exciting when you've got, you know, something that could become a new dynasty. But, you know, I'm not expecting that, but nor are we asking for that. Have we learned from the um, mistakes of the last three years? And I don't really think we have, because if you look at the 
you've got this it's it's all about that that the whole thing insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and the things that we've changed were the things that actually were already working to an extent yes the cowboys went because probably because they were not given or they could they, they were not going to be get given what they were promised uh when when phil hodgkinson went for their third meeting to basically lay it all out on the table to them we've got a recruitment system that just doesn't work if if you're a, an owner of a football club if i was if i had the money to invest in a football club recruitment is the key thing in everything that goes around with football so if that's not working that's the thing that needs to be stripped out and started again and i don't think we've done that it didn't work in that second season in the Premier League. Everyone was, was saying, oh, yeah, but it worked here, here, and here. But again, all Heffler, Lerva, Schindler, all these players came because David Wagner knew who they were. You know, the best signings that we made when we were in uh, the Premier League were made under, uh, was it oh, was it David Moss who came down from Celtic? So you had the Poitras, your Zankers. That was made before this existing team kind of got control. They are, to me, the problem. That problem needs solving. So, you know, I, again, if, if we're going to judge Phil Hodgkinson, who I do think he's, he's been dealt an absolute shit hand, and the fans are jumping on his back for the wrong reasons, you know. Um, yes, his communication is abysmal. I'm glad he's not on Twitter anymore. And he needs to stop turning up like John Terry to every single photo that he goes to. But the stuff that he's done, he's, he's at least, you know, he's, he's put the money down for Harry Toffolo out of his own back pocket. He's made key decisions at key times. He's got some balls. Has he got the balls to get rid of that recruitment team? And they're still there. And I don't think he does. That's where you need to judge Phil. I think you're right, Greg. And I think the best thing that could happen now, it's hard because of COVID and all social distancing and everything, but it feels like what the club needs is a, is a proper Q&A like we used to do one has he at the cinema he had asking hard questions which straight away don't start taking the mick out of the fans on your first interview like just not good but all of those questions need put into like how does the transfer committee work because if if it works in a rigid way where it's manager says he wants or head coach says he wants x type of player in x type of in x position go off and find it then how do we expect them to deliver results because they've gone from wagner telling them what he wants to Seaver come in and he'll have had a different style of play that would require different type of players. And then he goes, the Cowleys come in, they say what they want, completely different type of player again. Now we go to um, Corberan. It's not going back to Wagner because it's a different system for a start. So it requires different types of players. So again, that's four managers in the space of what, two years that they've had to deal with. And I think, I'm not going to stick up for them because what they've brought to the club has been utter shit so far, pretty much. But at the same time, Phil needs to be held accountable and Dean Hoyle as well. Like When we put this structure in place, how, how do they go about recruiting these, these players? Like how, how do we expect them to change their knowledge? There's, there was talk of um, they've been doing a lot of scouting under the Cowleys for um, Bundesliga B or whatever it was, the second tier in Germany. All of a sudden we're bringing a Spanish head coach. It's like all those months that we've spent recruiting or learning about the German second division. Now we're signing players from Spain. So it's, 
they're being pulled in different directions. How does the club expect to get results when we keep having changes of approach like this? Like, what is the plan? And I think that's it. We, we can go round and round in circles on here about how frustrating it is and how it needs to improve. Certain people need to leave the club. But the club needs to come out and actually communicate with us as fans because um, until they do that, these questions are going to keep going around. Phil's going to keep getting it in the neck. And that, that is the only way I can see that we can get out of this. They need to sit down and speak to the fans and take genuine questions. I mean, I'm happy to go along and ask Phil hard questions rather than him jibing at us saying we're not asking hard enough. But until that happens, I can't see how the fans are going to be brought on side. I, for one, would be massively in favour of that because I think there's been a growing disconnect between between the club and its fans. We, you know, we were the community club. We're meant to be the Yorkshire club. That was something we had really strongly on that journey up to the Premier League, okay? Um, and now I know Wagner tied a lot of that together, but there's no reason why we can't have that that you know relationship between the fans and, and, and the supporters again. And, and, you know, I think what we're really missing is a bit of transparency. And okay, you know, I don't buy into the whole that fans deserve to know this, the fans deserve to know that. Okay, yeah, we put a bit of money into the club, but at the end of the day, they're a business. And if they want to keep everything quiet, if they want to operate in their own way, then, you know, they don't, they're not, they don't need to explain every little going on to us. However, you know, however, in these difficult times, uh, if the club were to come out, if Phil were to come out and just, you know, offer a Q&A session, offer, you know, a bit of back and forth with the supporters, just offer an insight into what was going on. Okay, there'd be a lot of people who might disagree with the way things are being run. There might be people who can understand it. There'll probably be people on the fence. But what they will have is so much more respect, I think. I think there'll be uh, so much more gratitude on the part of the fans if the club would open up and just talk about, okay, this is the way we're doing things now. This is what we think has happened. Maybe not what's quite gone right, but here we go. You know, less of this like illusions and maybe, you know, smoke and mirrors. I think that will just earn so much more respect, I think, at the moment. And it became quite a toxic atmosphere at times last season. And, you know, I really missed the days where, where I felt we were sort of one body, you know, where we were moving uh, together in this. I, I do miss that. And I think one way to get that back, really, just a, a bit more openness uh, on both sides. And, you know, I think that will go down really well. I think that would be strongly appreciated by a lot of people. The club's no. flapping. It's been flapping, for, it's been flapping for 12 months, hasn't it? As soon as Cywert started and it went to shit, We've been flapping ever since. And now I think he's got to a point where if the club said something, I don't think many people would believe it, though. We, we're promised things and we're not giving it. And I think it's gone past, past the point of them just doing a quick Q&A and people believing it anymore. Because we, we've been told one thing and, and the other thing's happened for so long. And I think that's because everything's falling apart in the background that, again, isn't necessarily the club's fault. And they're trying best to keep everybody happy so the season ticket sales are still okay. Because if you're honest, then maybe they drop a little bit. It's hard. It's a, it's a tough game to play. Mm. And it's easy for us idiots to sit here and think we know best. We don't in that situation. We can advise and maybe we'd be wrong. But the, the, the communication from the club, like such as, again, we waited for the Canal Side video. There's going to be a grand video five days after Devlin spoke of it. That's not turned up. Where's that? Where is it? Like, when you promise something, you've got to deliver it. And, and that's not happening anymore. Going back to the transfer committee, I think we've had so much change since I were, uh, since um, Phil took over that we've not had an actual chance to change it. And now I'd put my neck on the line here and say, if this goes wrong in the next few months, I think the transfer committee will be changed. I think they'll be changed very quickly. I think they're next on the line. Fans, for starters now, no, it's not the, not the, uh, the manager's fault. The Cowleys were blamed a little bit. And now they've left. You get that. You look back on relationships and you think, oh, you know what? It was better. It, you think it better than it actually was at the time. 
and now fans are coming around to that idea with the Cowleys. They think they now understand the way they played and why we did it that way. I think the um, transfer committee is gone, or the head of the trans, uh, the uh, scouting and Lee Bromby's is inexperienced. He's got to get it right first time, or he's in trouble. And they have to get it right with these next few signings that I think we're going to make before the, the end of October. I don't think Corbin will get the blame for this one because he's Phil's man. Remember, Cywert wasn't Phil's man. Cowley came in because they were the best available at the time. And to be fair, Phil got that one right. They kept us up. They kept us up. They did what they said they were going to do. So he's one for one on managers. He's ruthless with his decisions. He doesn't mess about. People are gone if they don't do what he wants or they're not doing what he expects. And now that's good with the chairman, I think. I think that is important. Dean Hall was the same. He was ruthless when it came to, to managers. Robins went after one game of a new season. Um, Lee Clark went after 43 amazing draws, unbeaten, whatever it was at the, t- at the time. Um, ruthlessness in chairman works to an extent. I think the transfer committee's time is now. And if they don't get it right, they, they'll be gone. So um, these next few weeks for them, I think, if they don't get it right, we won't have to worry about whinging about them anymore. I don't think they'll be there. I think we'll have something new. Huddersfield Town are 9-1 to one to get relegated. Has anybody here put some money on it? Because I have. I don't, is it, no, you shouldn't say these kind of things. And, you know, I, I, you know, you keep perusing Twitter and certain people who've not renewed the season tickets have been slaughtered. It's their money. They can do what they want with it. I have to say, Huddersfield Town nine to one. It's a good price. I got twenty five quid on it. Pays for next season's uh, pays for the season ticket, don't it? Anybody, anyone jumped on it? I haven't, Greg. But um, it's another thing that gives me hope for the season. Because if we're nine to one, and I think is it Skybet predicting us to finish thirteenth, um, that shows how poor the championship could be this season. And all we have to do is find three teams that either go into administration and get a points deduction or three teams that are worse than us. Um, so I think it it could potentially be easier to stay up this season than it was last season. But we it doesn't mean that we should just stick with what we've got. Um, might be putting a cheeky tenor on that as well, though. The thing is, right, when it comes to, to squads in, in financial difficulties, it's cheaper to keep players than it is to sell one or bring a new one in unless you offer them less money because there's all sorts of fees involved with signing a new player you've got an agent's fee you've got necessarily tax if you make a profit and person you sell to bring a new guy in so more squads are going to be pretty similar to last year and that spells disaster for us doesn't it because we had the worst squad I reckon in the championship last season and we've weakened so 13th by Skybet is phenomenal that is a phenomenal prediction that I am not going to better at all um, I think you're right. I think they could be. I think it's going to be a bit like an election this year that the least shit stays up. I don't. I don't, I don't think the better team will stay up. I just think it's somebody's not quite as shit as the other three that go down, and it might come down to financial a financial situation again. And the one thing that's going to be really strange this season will be that League One now has a salary cap, so clubs of our size could drop into League One and actually make a profit for the chairman. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't go around in a tin hat. I'm not um, anti-vaxxer or anything like that. But you're going to have a more appealing situation to get relegated. It's not the end of the world now getting relegated to League One. And I don't think it'll... Like, with Wigan last year, that was a very, very strange situation when it comes to going into administration. And I don't think it'll be the only one. I think this this season will be stranger than last season when it comes to um, financial situations for clubs in our division. People are spending far too much on players. Percentage of turnover... 
of on salaries is ridiculous as we know most clubs are nearly over 100 percent, definitely over 80 percent for starters and i think what's the target 40 40 50 for most clubs is supposed to be the target but that's dreaming in our division there'll be there'll be clubs in much more financial dire financial situation than us if fans aren't back in the stadium properly by until christmas it's really important for for clubs like barnsley and well, I'd say Coventry, but I don't know how many people go and watch them at the moment. Um, it's going to be a very strange year again, and most clubs haven't changed their squads, which means we've got one of the weaker ones yet again. Um, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, and I don't think uh, it's going to be an enjoyable one. Not in the short term, anyway. Not unless we bring some new players in now. Well, that's just it. it there's just so much up in the air at the moment. Uh, it's the most unpredictable start to the season we've ever had for a multitude of reasons. And so, you know, all it is is a case of you know, us, us four sitting around a few microphones, you know, just, just guessing and estimating and speculating. At the end of the day, we could all be wrong. We just don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, this is, this is all guesswork for the time being. And so, you know, I know Ian's got a good track record of prophesizing and, and, and it may come true again. Um, but, you know, this is all we can do for the time being. And, and I, really, I really hope that in two months' time, we might be having altogether different conversations. Uh, do I believe that? Mm, I don't know. But, you know, who's, who's to rule it out? So this is just the most difficult season to, to go into with a preview. And so, you know, who's saying what the other 23 teams are going to be like who's saying what condition they're going to be in you know at every club in this division there's probably going to be a few fans sat around a podcast having not entirely dissimilar gripes to our own so at the end of the day quite right we've just got to be better than the three other teams one of whom and I don't think they'll go down but one of whom is 12 points worse off than us already so you know fingers crossed who knows it's quite sad though to say that we we're kind of looking three teams being worse than us again it is like being back under um, Simon Grayson, Mark Robbins, Chris Powell, except for two seasons in the Premier League, you know, £200 million in TV money plus parachute payments. And we're back exactly where we started, arguably even worse off than when we started. But unfortunately, that's that's the situation that we find us in. But there are there are reasons to be positive, as we've said. So um, here's, here's to another football season. Um, here's to another season of watching things on iFollow if it ever works properly and uh, if, if we are lucky to go into the stadium which I, I do I do have my doubts about but um, you know uh, cricket the other night uh, one of the T20 games they got 2,000 fans in there so you know hopefully bit by bit by bit we can start getting back to some normality and watching some football in the stadium paying for overpriced beer and overpriced, overpriced pies which would be nice to do uh, gentlemen thank you very much uh, we'll we'll be with you every single week this season um, because you know we're amazing and that's what we do. Uh, thank you very so much for listening and uh, until next time, goodbye.